Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In my father's house, there are many, many rooms. In my father's house, there are many, many rooms. David Murray, and I'm joined with Dorothy Carruthers, um, the hosting tonight. And um, tonight we're going to be talking about presidential elections um, and the heart of God. <clears throat> and uh, before I do, Dorothy, good evening. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? I'm doing well. One of the things that I find that usually happens um, when the Lord 
stirs upon me to give a specific message uh, in particular, there usually is um, a spiritual agitation or excitement uh, that I get until I actually release what the Lord is is calling me to release. Um, And so I I have been sitting on this for a while, just waiting for the Lord's timing and leading it. So it's going to be nice to actually share some of these things because it gives me a release. So I'm, I'm excited. Um, I'm agitated in a good way, if that makes any sense. But uh, I'm excited about tonight's message, and I'm doing well. Maya and I and the kids, everyone are doing well, busy but well. How are your cats feeling? Uh, they're all napping. Resting um, comfortably? Uh, resting comfortably. I finally got Heidi off the mouse pad so I can use my mouse now. Um, okay, well, good. But, yeah, we're having a little flea problem, but not too bad. Well, I know how much your cats mean to you. They're part of your family. So uh, I've been praying for them. And I know other people have been praying for them. And I, I know some people in a fellowship that have been praying for uh, for your animals. People who don't have pets are not pet people. They, they just, they, um, you know, understandably don't understand. But I, I, I'm um, an animal person myself. So I, I know how special they could be to people. They're, they're family members. So we'll we'll keep speaking life into uh into members of your family. Into deep animals under your domain. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um okay. Before we open up, I actually want to pray tonight, just clear these airways a little bit. Um <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I thank you that the body of Christ is called to walk in one mind, in one heart, one spirit, Lord God, that we are meant to flow in agreement with we what we see flowing from your throne room. Father, I thank you for the different members in the body of Christ, that our self-worth, that our identity is not tied in the way we function in the body, but it comes from the righteousness of Christ freely poured out. That righteousness is what gives us salvation, Father. And so I speak that clarity, Lord God, like a javelin, like a dart, like a bullet right through, piercing through any lies, any deception, any ways that we've been brought up that contend with your word, that we would rest, that our identity, our worth comes solely from the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for spiritual clarity in the body of Christ for this hour, Lord, that we would begin to continue to come together under your mind and under your heart in an agreement with you for what's coming to pass in the body of Christ in this nation and ultimately in this world, Father God. Thank you for words spoken in season. I bless the listeners, Father God, the body of Christ, and those who will be listening live, those who will be tuning in afterwards, Father God. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you will bear witness with whatever is spoken of you Father, whatever is not of you would just drop and fall away. Would I just give this time my mouthpiece to you for my spirit, man, to flow and communion with your Holy Spirit right to the body of Christ now, Lord God. Clarity upon the airways in Jesus' name. Amen. So this evening we're going to be discussing um, the elections. um, And and really, stepping back a little bit, this is going to be – a little bit of a deviation with how I normally do things a little bit. Um, we've been talking about, we've been taking some time and discussing right, for, for a year now, pretty much coming up on a year anniversary that, um, that, you know, I've been on blog talk that, uh, you know, I've been hosting this particular uh, broadcast of uh, zeal for your house with Dorothy. 
And the foundation that's laid is our identity, our worth. Everything is, is based upon the gift of righteousness that God gave us. And it is that righteousness that gives us salvation. And so we must understand things from the mind of Christ that is given to us that we possess in our spirit man. And that's so important because we're coming upon challenging times in this nation. Things are continuing to come closer and closer to a head. Um, you know, there, there's always uh, the members of the body of Christ that we will get pieces. All of us are called to see, are called to walk in intimacy with the Lord. And to the degree that we know in part, we share in part, we understand in part, the body of Christ is meant to come together. Wherever we don't come together, from the mind of God with his agenda, whatever we share will to a degree be tainted or skewed. That's not to say that people that have not shared things are not, are not hearing from the Holy Spirit. But what they're hearing or what they're sharing can be skewed to the degree that we pick up an agenda. That agenda can feed our self-worth. It can feed insecurity. It could feed our own um, uh, fragmented areas of our soul, our own anger or unfinished business, as I like to say. All these areas in any area in which we are not walking in perfect union with the heart of God in that area um, becomes a liability. It becomes an area in which we deviate from his heart. And so as, as pure glass vessels, I've used that, that expression before, that, that analogy, if you vision the Holy Spirit moving through our spirit man, moving through our soul as the mouthpiece, to the degree that we pick up our own agendas, our own anger, our own hurt, our own woundings, as it passes through that pipe, what starts out with pure water may turn on the other end a little bit rusty or very rusty, depending upon how refined and purified our spirit man has renewed the mind of Christ, renewed our soul to walk in the mind of Christ. So I, I can't stress that enough, gang, because that is the foundation in which we must approach everything, in which we're to approach anything that takes place. The Apostle Paul says a, a soldier does not get involved in civilian affairs, and that's, that's one of my favorite verses. Whenever I lose my clarity, the Holy Spirit just brings that to mind to me immediately. We are soldiers. We are in God's army called to fulfill what is on his heart. We don't get involved in civilian affairs. Anything that's of the carnal mind, the carnal thinking, that has to deal with things from the fleshly perspective are civilian affairs, to use that analogy. We, we see things from the kingdom perspective, and we carry those out as soldiers, as a family, as one body with one head in agreement with his mind. So, again, I'm, that's the introduction. I'm, I'm laying that broad foundation because we, we do not have the luxury to pick and choose where we walk by the mind of Christ. We, we don't have that option um, if we're going to walk in agreement with him and in, in intimacy with him. He gives us the right because we have free will, but we don't have that option if we're going to walk in obedience to his heart or if we desire to for our hearts to beat with his heart. Um, so what is on God's heart? What's going on? We have elections coming up. Um, how does this fit into the kingdom of God? How does this fit into what is on the heart of the father? We're going to start with, with two basic things. What is on God's heart and how does the church flow with it? Those are the two main points we're going to discuss here to step back from what's going on, step back from gas prices, step back from the political arena. To, to step back and, and to dare to see things from the throne room of God. Right now, while we speak, there is activity going on in the spirit realm. 
It's going on 24-7. The God who lives outside of time is constantly in motion. His kingdom is constantly moving. This perfect kingdom order, and that kingdom is looking to manifest the perfect will of the Father on this earth. So we must see things from that perspective. So number one, what's on the heart of the Father? What's on the heart of the Father um, there are two things, and these are things that are not going to be unique. They're found in Scripture. There's intimacy with his church. He died for intimacy. The Son, Lord Jesus, died so that we can be restored. We are restored to intimacy. We are restored to fellowship in the garden because of the righteousness of Christ that he gave us. He desires intimacy. He's longing for intimacy. That's what's on his heart. The second what's on his heart are his lost sheep. It's the lost, the great commission, and the, the church, his body, his redeemed children, fulfilling what's on his heart to go win his lost, to go get his lost sheep is number two. They go in that order, intimacy with his body, intimacy with his children, and as we beat one heart with his, we begin to fulfill what the next thing is on his heart is to go get the rest of his children. So intimacy with his church and the Great Commission are the things that are on the Father's heart. I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures. I'm not going to go into them. They talk about the Great Commission because there's, there's right, evangelists are very big on talking about the Great Commission, and we kind of relegate that to an evangelistic role. Well, you know, if someone's an evangelist, they're naturally going to talk about the Great Commission. It is the foundation of, of, of what the dialogue that took place at Jesus' ascension 2,000 years ago to the apostles and to the first disciples was to go get his lost sheep. And so some scripture verses for you to look up on your own that talk about this, because this will help us to connect and remember or to connect and for some of us for the first time to discover the heart of the Father. Matthew 28, 18, uh, Matthew 28, uh, 18 through 20, really. Mark 16, 15, Luke 24, 46. Uh, I missed one, Matthew 9.37, trying to do them in order. John 20.21 20, and Acts 1.8. Not an exhaustive list, guys, but, but I, I just would encourage you to look them up. They are all in reference to the heart of the Father and the commission of Jesus to say, hey, I've given all authority has been given to me. You get to use my name. You get to exercise the authority of the kingdom on my behalf to go get my children. That's the Great Commission. Um, it is a position of intimacy in which we are meant to fulfill the commission. Otherwise, it's just dead works. It works out of the, the, the strength of the soul. We're not soul beings. We're spirit beings. And that's very important because everything we talk about must, must be looked through the lens of our spiritual eyes, our, our spiritual senses, and from the reality of who we are, we're spirit beings. The Holy Spirit lives inside our spirit, man. That's what's been born again. Our soul has not been born again. Our soul is in the process of being renewed. So we are renewed as we continue to walk by our spirit, man. Our soul is transformed. Romans 12, 2 talks about that. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. As our mind is renewed, it begins to yield and submit to our spirit, man, which is in constant communion to the Holy Spirit. And so we must see things as who we are. We're a spirit man. When we touch the Father's heart, we begin to think, see, and feel what is on his heart. 
It's from this place of intimacy that everything is meant to flow from. It all flows from the throne room, from our intimacy. Uh, a scripture verse that I really enjoy is John 15:5. Jesus speaking to the, to the apostles just before he's getting ready to leave. He's summing things up. He's cleaning things up. He's rounding things out. He's pulling all the threads together. He's ready to impart the final revelation of what they can handle before they receive the Holy Spirit. And he speaks to them and says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And we talked about this before. You know, before we accepted Christ, there were plenty of things we did. Right? We can make those great accomplishments that we were the lost, those of us that are outside of, of um, the righteousness of Christ that haven't received the, the gift of righteousness, haven't received salvation. There are plenty of things. The Tower of Babel is a wonderful example of that. Right? There are great things. So when Jesus is saying, apart from me, you could do nothing, what, he's, what he is defining is you can do nothing of my kingdom value. There is nothing you can do that is of any kingdom value to me if you do not remain in me. And the body of Christ must begin to grasp that because in whatever areas we as the body of Christ corporately or individually are not walking after the Father's heart, we're doing works that amount to nothing. So how does the American church fit into this? How does, it, how does the church here in the United States fit into the two things that are on Father's heart, intimacy and the Great Commission? It's really summed up um, in this verse. Um, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on the foot. And here's one of the things that's on Father's heart. As a whole, much of the American church has rejected the heart of the Father. We have turned to the desires of our own heart. There are many Christians that are doing amazing works in the name of the kingdom. But this does not mean that what we're doing is being birthed from the desire that's on Father's heart. And now everything we talk about, guys, is in balance. Everything, there's a ditch, there's an extreme. On every road, every path, there's a ditch to every side, to the right and to the left. Okay, so I'm not talking about we have to sit, we can't do anything, we can't go about our day unless God specifically tells us, David, get up, get dressed. Now, David, go eat cornflakes and don't eat, you know, uh, you know, this this morning. And now I want you to go here. I'm, I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is that as we, as we go about our day, as we go about our, our walk, our life, we're either going to be doing it attitude of our heart being, Lord, my desire is just intimacy. My desire is to just receive the reality of your love over me and for me as my dad, as you being my dad, and I just give you all of my heart. That's the attitude of the heart. When we put him first, he, he is free to bless us, and as we move, he may guide us at certain seasons. seasons. There may be times he will, he will give us um, options. You can go this path, this path, or this path. There's several crossroads. You go ahead and pick David, and I will bless whichever one you do. There will be other times when he says right or left path, and he says, David, here's where I want you to go. I want to find, in this season, I'm going to fine-tune you down this path here. Okay, so, but what I'm talking about is our heart must first be inclined toward, Dad, what's on your heart? What's, what do you care about? What's on your heart? What are your thoughts? What do you want to talk to me about? I want to spend time with you. 
it's not about what we do in the name of the kingdom. It's what we're doing or the position of our heart as an outflow of intimacy, of time spent in his kingdom, at his feet, staring at him, you know, heart to heart. That's outflow. Relational righteousness, not, not, not talking positionally, not talking about what Jesus did for us positionally. Relationally righteousness is to do what we see our Father doing. It's to be one with his heart. We're forever positionally righteousness, but to the degree that we walk relationally in holiness and in communion and intimacy has to be deter- will be determined by the degree that we are living in communion with our hearts beating as one, being one in him. Here's some examples. Uh, John 5:19 and John 12:49. I'll read Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. John 12, for I do not speak on my own, but the father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. And 1 Corinthians 15:24 is a great one. It kind of ties it all in. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive, but each in turn. Christ the first fruit. Then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. And here's the key, guys, and it's what ties into what's going on in the United States in this hour. We do what we see the Father doing. Corinthians 15 says there will come a time when Jesus, right, the scriptures say all authority has been given to Jesus. He's been given the the keys. He has dominion over everything. There will come a time when he hands over the kingdom to the Father. Okay, that's in an age to come. Up until that age to come, until the fulfillment of the 1 Corinthians 15 prophecy, when Jesus turns over the government of heaven and earth to the Father, we, the church, are called to fulfill the Great Commission. And it's a joy. It's a privilege. It's not a... um, I just love it. I just have a blast, you know, just given the goodness of the Father, whether it's through a word, whether it's through praying for a stranger, whether it's through interceding quietly in my prayer closet, which is the vast majority of the time, whether it's, you know, going on some wild adventures at night when I'm in prayer. It's we are called to bring the kingdom to the lost up until the point where that time is sealed when Jesus returns and when Jesus then ultimately gives the keys over to the Father. Luke 10:19 says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions to overcome all the power of the enemy. Right? We have the, the, been given the delegated use to use Jesus' name because Jesus has all of the authority and we exercise dominion in his name. How does this all fit in? When the body of Christ begins to drift away from fulfilling the will of the Father, His hand of protection in mercy and in love, that's key, begins to lift. When Father's hand of protection begins to lift, Satan is allowed to come in and buff it. And if Satan comes in and buff it, what it's meant to do is to get the attention of the body of Christ 
to bring us back to a place where we turn. The word repentance, remember, means to turn. It's to place our eyes back on the Father. If you read the story of Moses where the snakes came in, the people entered rebellion. I mean, thousands of snakes came into the camp. Whatever it was, it was like thousands and thousands of people died. So there's, there's a, a, more than a dozen snakes that come into the camp. We're talking like a pandemic, an episode of snakes coming in from every point. And what, what Moses was told and instructed is when he made the bronze serpent and put it on that wood, symbolic of the work of the cross, they which remain says, fix your eyes on the snake, and when that happens, you will be healed. Now, in the Hebrew word for there, it says fix, it says to remain steadfast. It doesn't say just look. It's a very weak translation in English. It doesn't say to look on the staff. It says to fix your eyes steadfastly, unwavering. When the body of Christ begins to drift from staying with her heart steadfast on the heart of the Father, his hand will begin to lift in order to prune and discipline us in love. It does two things. It humbles the church. Remember, right, pride is, is seeking worth, identity, uh, existence, anything outside of the righteousness of Christ in his mind. That's pride. It's meant to break our pride and our carnal thinking. And the second is then to bring us back to the, the heart of the Father. If we read the story of Pharaoh, the principle here is God will use any vessel to bring to pass his will. We read the story of the Hebrew captivity, starting with 2 Kings straight through to Ezra and Nehemiah. You read the prophets, Jeremiah, Isaiah, you'll see a theme. When God's children refuse to walk in agreement with him, he will raise up whomever he pleases to begin getting the attention of his children. The United States has been in a period of humbling. We've been in a period where our hand has been, our, our, the hand of God has lifted to humble the church. We've been humbled in another different ways. The United States has been humbled. We have, we have humbled another, in a number of ways. I won't get into them now. We've spoken about them in the past. What we're entering into a season is God is desiring to get our attention to begin restoration. What's on the heart of the Father is restoration. That's the spiritual atmosphere of what's going on in the United States. We have already been in a position where, spiritually speaking, Nebuchadnezzar has humbled us. We have been humbled. We've had a bit and bridle put in our mouth. We've, we've experienced loss. We've experienced fear. We've experienced all the things, the rumblings of what takes place when a nation drifts from her godly mooring. We've drifted from the Constitution. We've drifted from the heart of what this nation, this specific United States, that has a unique call, has, has, um, we've drifted from that. What is on the Lord's heart is to begin a restoration. If we study, um, if we study uh, Hebrew history, um, we, we see a king. His name was King Cyrus. He came after Nebuchadnezzar. Um, it was during the Israeli uh, Hebrew captivity. And this was a non-believer, it was a heathen, just as Nebuchadnezzar was, up until the point when Nebuchadnezzar acknowledged the Lord as the one true God. A lot of people forget that. Nebuchadnezzar um, acknowledged the one true God. Cyrus eventually acknowledged the one true God. Before he did, the Lord began moving upon his heart. And Isaiah 45.1 talks about this. He says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd and he shall fulfill all my purposes. This is not a Jew. 
This was not someone who was in the covenant, nor was it someone who was grafted into the covenant. He was a heathen. He was a demon worshiper. He was someone who subdued God's children. He is my shepherd, and he shall fulfill all my purposes, saying of Jerusalem, she shall be built, and of the temple your foundation shall be laid. This is Isaiah speaking prophetically of what a heathen will do to accomplish the will of the Father in his, in his saints at the time, the old covenant saints. Um, so now from there, from that position of what God is spiritually doing, right, with the atmosphere of heaven, what the, God's kingdom is attempting to bring to pass, how the elections fit into this, how, you know, there's so much buzz about Clinton and about Donald Trump. Um, I want to share a little bit about Donald Trump as a vessel in this time. The events that take place in this world, guys, they don't take place without them being governed by the spiritual kingdom. There's no gray area. Either man or a region or a nation is influenced by the demonic kingdom or is influenced by the hand of God. And to varying degrees, we bend toward the light or we bend toward darkness. We're bending at any point in time one toward one or to the other. We bend toward light in certain areas. We bend toward carnal thinking and demonic mindsets in other areas at any given time. There are no Democrats or Republicans in the kingdom of God. And I, I've been saying that um, in love over and over and over again for, for, for years, years and years. There are no politics in God's kingdom. There is only perfect order. There is the mind and heart and intention of the Father flowing through his throne room. And everyone in his kingdom is in perfect union with the heart of the Father. Politics result here on the earth because we do not know the mind of God. We do not walk in the mind of God. It's a broken world, which the church is called to go rescue the lost up until the new earth is formed. Right now, the Lord is calling for his church to touch his heart. We're being called to shine with his glory and reveal the glory of God to the lost. That's what the Lord is calling the church to in this hour. The United States Church, the body of Christ universally here in America is being called to begin to shine, to rise up, to reveal the glory of God to the lost. The church has resisted this commission by and large. We have refused to be the salt of the earth, except in the areas we pick and choose. We rejected a commission to be a lamp on the top of a stand. Mark 5, 13, 21, tell us where to be these things, where to be a light and where to be a lamp, where to be a salt. The Lord has raised up a Cyrus to begin waking up the church. Donald Trump is a type of King Cyrus. He is someone that the Lord is raising up to begin waking up the church. He's just a vessel. Now, when I say Jeff, I don't mean God doesn't love him. God died for the lost. While ye, we were yet sinners, he died. The church has forgotten that. We've become very self-righteous and cold in a lot of areas. We forget. We think, well, I'm part of the kingdom. I see dreams. I have visions. I have word of knowledge. I, 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 I do things in the, kid, the kingdom, pretty cool, exciting stuff, and, and, well, that's the lost. Or even that's members of the church that don't do that. And um, we've, we've begun to break loose 
from the heart of the Father, which is restoration. It's the goodness of God that brings man to repentance. And because the church has really kind of resisted to be the light and the salt of the earth, he is raising up, has raised up, someone to do what the church is meant to do. Please hear this. This is really important. Going back to the mind of God and things, there is a difference between a vessel of righteousness and a vessel of God's righteousness. Donald Trump is not a vessel of righteousness. Donald Trump right now, so far, and what he is, what, what, how the Lord is using him to spiritually shake things up, to shake up the things in the spirit realm, is a vessel of God's righteousness. There's a difference between the two. Much of the church, we look at someone and we judge them based upon the works or judge them based upon our own um, soulish thinking. God is righteous. God is just. God is merciful. The Lord will use whatever vessel he chooses to reveal his character. Mercy, long-suffering, and love is what is being poured out over this nation right now. God is extending great mercy and long-suffering and love. And one of the ways in which he's doing that is he has raised up someone to begin shaking things up in the spirit that has a fallout in the natural realm that is designed to wake up the body of Christ. It's designed to shake us up, get our attention, and begin seeking the heart of the Lord. So anyway... um, that's some of the things that we, we have to step back. We can't look at a vessel. We must go back. We see the precedence in Scripture. God will raise up whoever he wants in order to fulfill what he wants to fulfill. The church is meant to do this. When the body of Christ refuses to think, feel, and speak what we see the Father doing from his throne, he will raise up a vessel of his choosing to do what his body is supposed to do by the power of the Holy Spirit, but has rejected to do. When that happens, he goes in his mercy and long-suffering, in his love for the lost, in his great compassion, and in his jealousy to see his goodness revealed, the sons of God revealed upon the earth to redeem his lost children, he will begin moving on to plan B, C, D, and E. 1 Timothy 2.2 says, I urge you, first of all, that prayers, petitions, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. One of the purposes of intercession for our leaders is so that the spiritual laws that govern God's kingdom are made manifest in the laws that govern the physical kingdom. I'll say that again. One of the purposes of intercession, one of the reasons why the Holy Spirit has been calling the church to pray and intercede how many of us have answered that call is, 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 a, is a different matter. Called the church to begin praying, and it's in alignment with 1 Timothy 2. It's part of our commission. One of the reasons, the purposes for intercession for our leaders is so that the spiritual laws that govern God's kingdom are made manifest in the laws that govern the physical kingdom or the physical realm. We pray God's kingdom and release that upon the physical kingdom. We have the ability to have spiritual influence that influences men for good. That's one of the reasons why we're called to intercede. We pray to release God's kingdom over the earth. The spiritual realms rule the physical realms. 
There's no void there. If the church is not taking her authority and releasing the kingdom of God over a nation, we are allowing Satan's kingdom to govern and rule over that nation. The nation is not where it is because of our leaders. Our leaders are where they're at because of the church. The church doesn't want to take responsibility. The church has been blamed just judging and, and spitting venom at, at the lost for being lost. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many people I've heard just just spit venom and hatred at, at, at certain uh, candidates or a particular candidate for being lost. Hillary Clinton is lost, guys. And the Bible tells us what we're supposed to do for the lost. There's no one exempt from the Great Commission. There's no one that, that God says, you know, under certain circumstances here, you're not going to pray for the salvation of that person. Um, I know one or two scripture verses that come to mind that should be taken out of context, but no, we're to call, we're to be the light of the world, we're to pray for all of our leaders so that they could be influenced by the spiritual atmosphere we create over a person, over a group, over a region, over a nation. The spiritual atmosphere released through our prayers because we have the authority to release God's kingdom is what turns people to the goodness of God. It's what bends people's hearts to hear the goodness of the gospel. So to go back to Trump, Trump is just a vessel. He is meant to shake up the church to begin to seek his face. Like Cyrus, Trump is offering the church a way back home. Here's what's important, guys. It is not by Trump's agenda that this nation will be great. There are many Christians that are following Trump or supporting Trump for, for completely carnal reasons. Their eyes are fixed on a king. Right? The church can't have our eyes fixed on an earthly person to be our savior. It's not our rulers that will determine the future of our nation. It is the condition of the body of Christ that prays people in and out of positions so that the rules, the laws, that kingdom of heaven govern our kingdom here on earth. And the church has inverted it. We have abdicated our position, and we have become devoid of walking in our authority. And we're looking, grasping at straws, and so we see Trump as someone who may, may answer that. And in desperation, we, we, we're, we're casting our lot towards someone as if that someone who, who is not walking by all the kingdom principles is going to do something, is going to make the change. It's by God's agenda. It's by us returning to the heart of the Father. Trump is a vessel meant to, he's giving out a clarion call in the Spirit to wake the church up so that we begin to pray, intercede, begin to ask the Lord, where am I looking at things from a humanistic perspective? And we begin to repent of that and begin getting in sync with, with Father's heart. Remember, prophecy, guys, is the heart and mind of God revealed. That's all, right? We don't have to get overly mystical about what prophecy is. And prophecy is not meant to be rare. We are meant to walk with prophetic understanding. Prophets are one of the people, one of the cornerstones, and one of the foundations of the body of Christ that are meant to help the body of Christ walk in greater prophetic understanding and to seek the throne of God to get for themselves greater prophetic understanding. We're not meant to be looking around for all prophets for answers. The prophetic office is meant to teach and instruct so that all of the body of Christ can come into greater fullness, that we all may prophesy, that we may all understand the mind of God. That's what prophecy is. It's hidden things revealed. It's the kingdom of God exposed. 
his heart made manifest. That's how we do what Jesus did. Jesus walked in what, what some would call an open heaven. Jesus walked with full understanding of what was going on in the kingdom realm. He walked in constant prophetic understanding. He didn't see anything from the natural realm. That's why when Pilate came to him just before his crucifixion, he says, don't you know that I have the power to, to condemn you or to, or to release you? And Jesus' response was from the kingdom. He said, you would have no authority if it wasn't given to you. Meaning, no, no, you think you have the authority. In the spirit realm, the spirit, my father's kingdom has given you this position of authority to perform and accomplish a certain thing at a certain time. That's our perspective that we must begin not only to get and grasp, the church needs to begin walking in this. We need to begin transitioning our mindset from walking after soulish reasoning to begin walking openly and fully with the mind of Christ. And prophetic insight where those the men of the body of Christ that, that are, are seeking the heart of the Father, seeking the mind of God, are meant to share it and instruct how to also glean that for, for the rest of the body. It's not something that's meant to be so hidden and secretive. Um, sorry for those prophets out there that's a blow to their ego, but you know we need to return to the our righteousness of Christ for our worth and our identity. We're all called to walk in all of the gifts in the spirit to varying degrees. Uh, the prophetic office takes a lot of beats and blows and, and a lot of breaking uh, because that's what's required in some areas in order to instruct and teach others who don't have to go through the same thing. And, you know, that's, that's just part of being in the body of Christ. Different people call to different things so that we can all learn from each other. In the same way that Clinton is not our enemy, she's a lost soul. She is a child that Father wants to redeem, and many of us will have a problem with that. Um, sorry, that's not me. That's Scripture. That, that's, the, that's the Bible, guys. We're to pray for our leaders. We're to pray for our neighbors. We're to be the light. There are many people, guys, please hear me. There are many Christians in positions of authority all throughout this land right now. Their ability to effectually release the full power of the kingdom, they're in positions poised to have tremendous spiritual impact but their impact right now is severely compromised because the rest of the body of Christ is refusing to intercede on their behalf to release the kingdom where it's meant to be released. And, and we must repent of that. We need to begin praying for our nation. We need to begin praying for those to be raised up and that those are already raised up in positions of authority for when they speak, it pierces the heart of the lost to turn back to the goodness of God. And by and large, the church has been fractured and beaten and broken. We're all in divided camps. We all have our own agendas. And our own agendas, they don't cut it. You know, there was a, there was a great civil war that took place, uh, spiritually speaking, in the body of Christ that went back over 20 years ago. And it was 20 years ago the Lord began showing me a great civil war was coming in the body of Christ. And, and the fallout of that is continuing to be seen, but the Civil War, for the most part, is done. There's a, there's a mass exodus of people outside of institutional church that are seeking God apart from the rules and the, doc, the, the dogma and the doctrines of men, and are seeking God. 
and then there's those that are remaining institutionalized. The common denominator here is that those that, that came out to answer the call of God, and that doesn't mean if you go to a church building that you're not. Please, that's not what I'm saying. It's about the condition of our heart. It's that many fellowships begun to replace the agenda with God with, with um, soothing their own ego, with titles, with programs, with things that had, were not about the kingdom. They were about feeding their own identity and worth and agenda. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about where we fellowship or how we fellowship. God looks at the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance, the wrapper, the adornment, the box. God is looking at the heart. The body of Christ that came out of that religion, the institution of those that were not seeking God but seeking their agendas, they were meant to pick up the next and walk the next generation, which is to get into great intimacy with the Lord, to be the light of the world. And what a lot of, of those that have came out of that, that exodus is instead we just replace it with another one of our own agendas. And we talk about um, judgment and wrath and anger. The Great Commission is not on anyone's heart. Giving the goodness of God is not on a lot of people's heart. We, we have not beat with the heart of the Father. We've, we've left one institution and we've begun to create our own institution just in a different form. The church of God must heal. We must mend. We must become unified. We must come under one banner of love with Jesus Christ as our head, as our general, as our commander, and getting our thoughts from the throne room. Clinton is not our enemy. She may be used by the enemy, but she's not our enemy. We have one enemy, Satan. Satan. Everyone else is either a soldier or a casualty of war. Right? I've come. I've had many Satanists. They're not my enemy. They're lost children. We're called to love them. We can only love to the degree that we feel the love of the Father and we're able to release the love of the Father. In the same way, Trump is not our Savior. We don't rally behind Trump because because we think he has the answers. It's God that's going to have the answers. He's using Trump. But if we have our own ideas and our own thinking, uh, it's not our Savior and King that we're turning to. We're turning to a man. And that's not the heart of the Father. That's not what he's doing. He's shaking things up. It's not about when we look at how someone speaks or we look at, let's talk about Trump for a minute. He's rough. He's crude. He's crass. It's not about what he's saying in the physical, it's about spiritually, the spiritual rumblings and the spiritual implications that are taking place by what he is doing. And here's one thing that I want to, I, I just want to encourage you with to help you chew and meditate on it because that's, right, we've talked about prophetic foresight, prophetic oversight, prophetic insight, and hindsight. Everything we do must be seen from the kingdom. From a very young age, God told me to study history, study church history, study man's history. And as I did, he, he, would, he would infuse upon me the kingdom perspective. And I began seeing things through the mind of Christ and God's eternal plan and how it plays out. And it's one big thread woven in throughout history. Think about this. If we didn't have, we see in the book of Daniel, we see the history of the Hebrew exile. Now, without the book of Daniel, if we only had a history book that said that, okay, um, the Jews went into captivity, they got, they got conquered in stages by, you know, Syria, Syria to the north, um, the Syrian Empire, 
and to the Babylonian Empire and ultimately to the Persian Empire. If we just read that from a history book, we think, well, you know, that's just part of history. You know, countries come and go, and that's the end of it. The only reason why we know that that was judgment is because of the book of Daniel. It's because of the other prophetic books. It's because of Second Kings and Chronicles. We have writings that have given us prophetic insight. Remember, prophecy is the mind and heart of God revealed to us. The only reason why we know why the Jews went into exile is because we were given the mind of God about what was taking place in the spirit realm. Now, when those men fought, when, when Jerusalem was finally breached and, and the soldiers came in and the Babylonians came and captured and it, and it was, it, it, you know, the historical council that took place were just a mess. If we're looking with natural eyes, it would be no different than any other city, citadel or city state or, or region that was conquered by any of uh, the other uh, that the Babylonians conquered. The only reason why we're able to glean from it with a prophetic understanding is because that prophecy, that understanding was given to us. In the same way, it is impossible to understand how Alexander the Great and the Roman Empire were fulfillment of some of the prophetic utterances of Daniel. When we see the kingdom divided into four, we see Alexander, and we wonder, well, what was Alexander's role? For one thing, just, to, just, just for kind of giggles, just for fun to understand it, what Alexander the Great did is he set the stage for the church because, because of Alexander the Great conquering the known world, the region at that time, he unified the language. So by the time Jesus came on the scene a few hundred years later, what had happened was everyone was speaking the same language, or if there were two languages speaking between the Roman Empire and the Greeks, everyone was able to understand each other. So it paved the way for the gospel to be shared and understood by everyone in that region, everyone in the known world in that, in that sphere at the time. That's one of the things from the, the kingdom perspective that Alexander the Great was raised up to do. He was raised up, ordained by heaven, to unify the language of the people so that by the time the apostles and Pentecost occurred, they could go out and openly share the gospel without a language barrier, the barrier that took place from the Tower of Babel. As Babel was, was scattered, Pentecost unified because under the power of the Holy Spirit and the unification that took place over the region, everyone was able to understand the gospel and hear the gospel. So that's just one example. The Roman Empire is another fulfillment of that. Without, without prophetic understanding, without the ability, without the benefit of Daniel, we wouldn't understand that Alexander the Great of the Roman Empire had any fulfillment, had any spiritual significance. In the same way, guys, the Holy Spirit is speaking to us all the time. This is what I want to have the home and close with. The Holy Spirit is speaking all the time to our spirit man. He's speaking individually and corporately. He's inviting us to understand the spiritual implications from the kingdom and how that's meant to manifest. John 16, 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you in all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. The Holy Spirit is constantly revealing to us things yet to come. 
And if we don't seek his kingdom, if we don't seek to understand the mind of God, it is impossible for us to determine what's going on. It's been one of the great travesties in the United States, um, certainly in the last 50 years of church history in the U.S. We have rejected the prophetic office. We have rejected prophetic insight. We have thrown prophets out of our assemblies. We have thrown anyone who, who has had any insight from a kingdom perspective, and we've replaced it with agendas and protocols and programs that fit our own desires. And I'm not judging a person. I am, I am judging the actions of the church. We are called to judge actions, to speak the truth in love. There's no condemnation in it. It's understanding where we came from, prophetic hindsight, so that we can understand where we are now, prophetic insight, so that we can glean more understanding of what God wants to do from his throne room, prophetic oversight, so that we can learn to agree and cooperate with the things that God yet wants to accomplish. He reveals to us prophetic foresight. And we can't do that if we're despising prophetic words in which God is trying to reveal his heart about what he wants to do. Whenever we're thinking about something or we want to receive a, a, a word or whether we want to reject a word, we have to look at what is the desire of my heart, what is my agenda. Am I moving by the mind and heart of Christ or am I substituting it for something else that makes me feel good about myself, something that I'm not willing to yield to? We have to stop. Jesus said, stop judging by mere appearance and make a right judgment. He didn't say don't judge. He said, make a right judgment. Elsewhere later on in the chapter, he says, don't judge. One is talking about judging people. The other is talking about judging actions. Others talking about discerning. Others talking about emotional judgment. It's a great little side study there. But Jesus is saying, make a right judgment. The only way we can do that, guys, if we exercise the privilege given to us in John 16:13, that when the Holy Spirit comes, He will guide us and tell us what's going on in the heart of the Father from the throne room. He won't speak on His own. He will reveal to us things yet to come. So, summarizing this up. What is on Father's heart? He's calling his church to walk in great intimacy in order to be the salt of the world. Part two, how does man fit into this? How does the church fit in? The church in the United States is being called to return to him. We have to repent in the areas we've rejected God's call in whatever ways. It's not enough to say, okay, I recognize this is wrong in the body of Christ, and we just become these lone rangers. That, that have no desire to seek what's on the heart of the Father. Um, there's a great movement that has already begun uh, where healing is just moving, and people are seeking to, to walk in their authority, to walk in the dunamis power and the exousia of the, of, of the name of Jesus Christ to deliver people. But when, when I have hands upon a stranger in, in, a, in a gas station or a supermarket or in a street corner, and they feel the hand of God literally touch them, and, and they feel healing going to their bodies, they are very open to what I have to share next. They're very open to the goodness of God. And it is the goodness of God revealed that brings man to repentance. When we go up to someone and we, we take the courage and we exercise and say, hey, you know, this may sound strange or whatever our language is, and we don't have to be weird. It's 
one thing I'm very big on, not being weird, learning how to be all things to all people. When we can go up to someone and bring to them the love of the Father, manifested in all the different ways the Holy Spirit wants to move through us, they will be entreated to receive the goodness of God, to receive the righteousness of God, to accept Christ, to enter into the salvation of the Lord. It's what's on the Father's heart, and the church is called to return to that. The nation is in the state that it is in, not because of the wickedness of our leaders. Our leaders are wicked because the church has turned to the things of the world. We must return to being the salt of the earth. These elections are not about Republicans and Democrats or about one person being a savior and one person leading us down a worse path. This is about the body of Christ seeking the heart of the Father, returning to his heart, and then beginning to pray for the nation, pray for the body of Christ to wake up and begin to pray that the areas in which God will use whomever he pleases, he just as easily could have used Clinton. It's not based upon our own righteousness. God will use whatever vessel he wants to do what he wants to do when the body of Christ will not respond. He's meant to work and he desires to work through the body. Jesus is the head, we're the body. When the body is fractured and broken and fragmented and, and, and scattered, Father, in his love, will begin raising up vessels of dishonor to do what he wants to do. And by the way, I firmly believe that Donald Trump is going to receive Christ as Savior. Um, I believe that with all my heart. I won't get into any of that. There's, 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 there's certain things I'm not free to share, but what's there to share? It's simple. I believe Trump is, is going to receive Christ if he has not already. And even aside from that, we are called to pray for our leaders. We're called to pray for the lost. So it's just time to return, guys. When, as we approach this, we need to pray, not from a position of anger and wrath, but of love. Begin recognizing that, um, and if anyone doesn't bear witness with your spirit as you seek the Lord's face on this, not as we reason things out with our mind, right? We begin in the mind of Christ that is accessed by our Holy, the Holy Spirit living inside our spirit man. We're spirit beings. Doesn't bear witness, toss it out. Okay, I won't get offended. I got pretty thick skin. But we need to seek God's heart. What is he doing in this in this hour? What he's doing in this hour, what he has used these presidential elections for, is to wake up the body of Christ. If the body of Christ would return to her position, to walk in her authority, to seek God's faith in unity and truth, seeking him, Nothing can stop the body of Christ from restoring this nation to what she's called to be. It's not about the elections. It's about the body of Christ. So ask him to show you where are the areas where either you're living or thinking for yourself ahead of your first love. And then we need to pray for our leaders. We need to pray. We can only pray effectively to the degree that we're walking in union with him. You know, going back to we talked about earlier, the church being fragmented, there's a portion, there's, there's pockets in the body of Christ that are praying for the nation. They're praying for the Holy Spirit to come down and for the Holy Spirit to just do some sort of independent old covenant release of his anointing and, and conviction would just fall. Guys, that's unbiblical. That's old covenant. We live in the new covenant. The Holy Spirit came down 2,000 years ago. He's already here. 
The church is responsible for quote unquote revival. The church is responsible for releasing the power of God. The Holy Spirit does not fall again. He's here. He will move through you and through me if we are the yielded vessels he desires us to be. We are the fire. We are the storm. We are the ones that carry the righteousness of Christ to a lost world. When we're, we have ideology. We're just praying, Holy Spirit, please fall, please fall. It's, it's old covenant language. It's old covenant. The Holy Spirit can't come. He's already here. He left earth. He lives in the body of Christ. He lives within us. We are the revival. We have to revive what Jesus warned us in Revelation 2 is about to die, our first love. The church needs to seek him with all our heart, then we will be on fire. We will go up to strangers. We won't care what people think or the rejection of man or the fear of not being liked or the fear of consequences or the fear of being persecuted or thrown out of our own synagogue or thrown out of our own workplaces. We will bring the thunder. We will release the fire. We will be the ones that bring revival to the land. The Holy Spirit is already in us waiting to ignite through us. So, praise God. I mean, you know, I'm excited about that. You know, there's one thing <laughs> that, you know, I get a kick out of when people are, are typically, um, you know, mourning. I typically am having a lot of fun because I see the outcome that's going to happen. And typically when uh, the body of Christ is just having a party, the Lord is usually speaking to me about some things that aren't as hard that are grieving him. So um, that's just the way it is sometimes. That's not being out of joint with the heart of God, that sometimes the body of Christ, the different funny ways in which we fit together. Um, you know, I'm excited because I see with all my heart, I believe with all my spirit, man, the things that God has shown me about this nation will come to pass. Before they do, the church must come into alignment. Until she does, things will get more and more challenging. That's not wrath. It's his love, guys. It's a, that's the balanced prophetic word of anything God's heart is restoration. If we're talking about something. We're just talking about fearful and judgment, and there's no course of action, no direction, um, no understanding of what to do. That's a, that's a skewed, limited prophetic word. I'm not saying the word is not right. I'm saying that we haven't gone back to the Father to get the bigger picture. Difficult times and challenges that are, that are coming. Uh, yeah, you know, depending upon where the body of Christ continues to go, we're at a crossroads right now. These elections are meant to kick up some spiritual dust. There's a ton of activity going on, spiritually speaking, right now. Many times when I'm in my prayer closet, I usually don't talk too much about this, but, you know, we've got enough time under our belt, and you guys understand our righteousness comes from him. We're meant to walk openly in the kingdom, right? It doesn't make us special what we do or don't see. We're special because we're his children, especially because of, of, of the blood of Jesus. But when I close my eyes a lot of times when I'm praying, I just see peals of thunder, constant flashes of lightning arcing across the heavens. You know, every time I ask the Lord, what are you showing me? He says, this is what's going on. This is the activity. Prepare for the storm. There's so much spiritual agitation there. Peace is moving and shifting. There are so many different things being shifted and replaced and positioned in the spirit, waiting for the moment the body of Christ will come under one banner and just begin to seek the Lord with all her heart. And when that happens, 
there's, there's a time of greatness coming to this nation for us to return to our call, to fulfill our call the United States has, which is to be a great lighthouse and missionary to the world. The United States is the only one with that type of calling. The elections are meant to shake us up to begin seeing things with a spiritual eye. It's not about Republicans or Democrats. It's not about building a wall around uh, the southern border of Texas. It's not about what takes place in the natural. It's the spiritual implications. And it's the body of Christ that determines the next course of action and how we're going to enter into 2017. So, exciting, exciting stuff, guys. Please pray about it. If anything kicks up, please have the courage to ask the Lord, what is kicking up? What's making this challenging? What is this pushing my buttons on? That's what, that's what ushers up in, us into greater intimacy. Um, so praise God. Thank you. And um, Dorothy, anything that, that you had to share that you wanted to add before we sign off for this evening? Sorry, Dorothy, I didn't give you much time. I know that you're usually muted. Sorry, I caught you off guard. Um, the, my phone was breaking up. I don't know if it was my phone or if it was you or Bug Talk. I hope it came out okay on, on the air because I haven't got a clue what you just said. Mm. Well, hopefully it recorded okay. Yeah, I was just hopefully. Saying, uh, anything that you wanted to add or anything that um, that you wanted to share before we close out for this evening? Well, just that this is a very, very important election. Spiritually speaking, you've got two opposing viewpoints of the future of our country. And to me, one is diametrically opposed to Father's values. And, um, And I would like to just point out a lesson that I recently learned is that, um, I'm not responsible for what happens after I cast my vote, but I am responsible for my vote and actually doing the vote. Because I'm old. I was raised with very, that is your civic responsibility. You were blessed enough to be born in a country where you can vote, so do your duty. So it's been very hard for me not to vote. Yes, and, and 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 all those things just to, just a reminder and encouragement for for those listening to the body of Christ. It's the the future will be determined no matter which vessel um, is is in office. The future of this nation will be determined by the body of Christ seeing the things that Father wants to do, coming into agreement, and in unity in love and in power bringing those things to pass. So, yeah, the things to come for this coming year, uh, I see two very different um, crossroads and paths that we can take depending upon um, on, on some decisions that are made, and a lot of that has to do with the body of Christ. So I, I hope this spoke to, to the body. I hope this spoke to the majority of you and not just a few of you because we need to come together in unity. Please pray about it, bear witness, and, and again, we all have a place to play in the body. And um, and I'll close out with and that. I think, and Dorothy, thank you. Yeah, yes. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Dorothy. I think we have much to be grateful for, the Father, about the path that Matthew took. Uh, 
Haiti ended up with, what was it, 800 dead? And we have people in Florida fussing that, oh, why did we have to evacuate? It wasn't that bad. So. Yeah. Yeah, there was I a lot of I think we were very blessed. Yeah. I, I know a Absolutely. lot of people were praying. Yeah. And that's answered prayer in my book. Yes. Yes, amen. Yeah, that's another example. I won't go down a, a I won't go down a tangent on that tonight. But but again, you know, everything that takes place here, there's there's something that's on the Lord's heart about it. And um, one of the things we make the mistake of doing is is making an assumption, and then running off that assumption instead of getting clear direction. And also recognize when we get direction, many times that's just a piece. It's just a piece of of what goes on. That's one of the reasons why corporate fellowship is so important to allow seasoned uh, believers to to help guide, instruct, and disciple people into the fullness of Christ and into intimacy with the Holy Spirit and the throne of God because we're, we're meant to glean from each other, and we have pieces to that um, so that we're all rounded out with the full counsel of God. But anyway, thank you, and Dorothy, thank you. You have a wonderful weekend, all my listeners. God bless. Be blessed this weekend. Know that you're loved, and for those who are listening afterwards, um, please do the same. And uh, we'll see you again in, in probably a couple of weeks. And we're going to be talking about some more things. Uh, we're going to be getting into how to begin applying um, some of the things we talked about, moving in, in gifts of the Spirit, moving in intimacy, and, and what that might look like. So um, we'll start getting into application and um, walking this out with the joy of the Lord and with, with, with in practice. So thank you all. God bless. Dorothy, thank you as always. Have a wonderful weekend. And I will talk to you real soon. Good night, David. Father bless. Good night, George. Father bless you. Thank you. Good night, everyone. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.